0: Welcome to Nattering with the Knights, North Anglia International School, Hong Kong's P department, talking about sport, physical activity, health and a host of other topics. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nattering with the Knights. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the podcast. I highly recommend you go back to listen to some of our previous episodes. This is episode number 12 and we have lots and lots of insightful stories from some of our teachers and special guests in our previous editions. Today I sit down with Mr. Matthew Trethewey, the newest addition to our school in the Business and Economics Department. He talks about some of his involvement in ultra marathons and other high-end endurance events. It's a great episode and one that should inspire lots of our listeners. So get up and get active and get the earphones in and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to our latest episode of Nattering with the Knights. Today, I'm joined by our um, business and economics teacher, Mr. Matthew Trithieu, who joined the school at the beginning of the academic year. As well as teaching our senior pupils the wonders of the business and economical world, Mr. Trithieu is a keen athlete, mainly with a preference towards hardcore endurance events. How are you today, Mister Triff? I'm
1: very well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. So, just we're going to dive straight in, um, and I say I know you've completed a long list of endurance events in the past. So, can you just give us a little overview of some of those events you've done in the past? uh, Well, in your in your life so far.
1: Well, I got into running mostly in Hong Kong, and I've been in Hong Kong since 2010. So. Uh, I think the first big races I did with the half and the full Hong Kong Marathon, that was in 2013 and 2014, and then since then I've transitioned into trail running, and since 2014 I've done a whole bunch of races. I think the highlights are the 100 kilometer races, um, the big ones like the North Face, Hong Kong 100, Transmantau. And then, a few years ago, in 2017, I did the Ultra Trail Tai Shan, which was 100 miles, which was a big uh, achievement. And since then, um, i have really kind of not really sure what I want to do next. I did a big one in Argentina called Race the Planet, Patagonia 250, but that was a stage race. Okay. So it was over six days, so it was like approximately 40. Kilometres a day. It, was, it wasn't like that. There was a long march of 80k a day and there was some shorter distance. But I think the 100 miles has been my biggest achievement so far. And um, just hoping that uh, the restrictions will, will uh, be loosened up soon so I can do more races abroad. Because I think in Hong Kong I've done them all. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Nice one. And uh, so then let's go back to the kind of start um, as a kind of youngster then. So, what was your kind of background in sport from an early age back in, back in Wales?
1: Uh, well, I'm the youngest of three sons. My two older brothers were always cricketers. They played, uh, uh, you know, youth level for Glamorgan. So we've been quite a sporty family. Obviously, I grew up in Wales, so as soon as I could walk, they would throw me a rugby ball. Uh, which, um, you know, I, I just didn't really understand rugby. I mean, the rules were always confusing to me. Um, and I remember once, my first experience, when I was around eight years old, I, was, I think it was on a Sunday morning, I was going to go rugby training. And I, had, I was all kitted up, I had my shorts, my, you know, my boots on, and I was just too scared to go. I i, would, I just didn't want to go to rugby training. And then uh, I was always into football. I liked watching football Liverpool with the team back in the late 80s. And um, and I went football training, and I didn't look bad. And then football became my sport, and I, I, I did quite well at it. I, I got represented for my county, um, but I, I didn't reach... But the, the top levels, I just wasn't good enough, but I, I did have a good footballing career up until around the age of 18, and then I stopped playing. Okay,
0: and then also, so with that kind of background, you must have had a, a, a decent level of baseline endurance, which is maybe what kind of pushed you towards running events and venture
1: Kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, like looking back in my childhood, I grew up in the valleys, you know, near Pontypridd, which is about 15 kilometers from Cardiff, big outdoor spaces. I used to love. Playing in the woods with my friends, hide and seek, and all that. Um, but yeah, you know, I was always playing sports. I was quite a fit lad. So, you know, I, I had a good basic ground level of, of fitness. And I think um, running came to me quite naturally. Actually, you know, I, I just like the outdoors. And mm-hmm. In Hong Kong, like most people, when you get here, you don't expect to see all these hills and mountains around you. And I used to just hike, and then I would see these crazy people running past. I'd be thinking, what are they doing? You know, uh, uh, they're running from my world to, to Dongchong, are they crazy? And then a few years later, I'm doing exactly the same thing. So uh, it's kind of a bit of a natural progression.
0: Um, all right. So then let's kind of zoom in on some of these events you've done so far. So you mentioned your first kind of endurance event here in Hong Kong was the, the half and the full marathon. Uh, how, how did those events shape up for you? Do you any kind of memories from those
1: Well, the half was was fine because I was living in Dongchung at the time. I used to do a lot of road running. Um, I was working in the school in Dongchung and I lived there and I used to run around Dongchung, which was still kind of quite quiet. The roads are kind of uh, very empty. and I was doing 10, 15K runs a lot. So the half marathon was actually quite easy for me. And that was what pushed me on to do a four marathon. Okay. Um, so my time was quite good. I think I had one hour thirty-three minutes, and the kind of golden um, aim for most runners is to do a, a sub free marathon. If you cut that in half, it's a, a ninety-minute half marathon. So I was I was pleased with my my run, but I wanted more. I wanted a bigger challenge. So the next year I did the full marathon, and um, that went quite well. Um, the course is difficult, though. I mean, this this part of the course which have uphill. Big, quite big inclines, like the tunnel, which goes. I think it's the Western Tunnel from Shenzhen to to uh, to Kowloon. Is there's an incline on that, and okay. it's hard to keep your your momentum going. So, but the race went fine. Um, I think I had three hours thirty three minutes. So, I was quite pleased with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so was that the kind of basis? Of where did you want to build up to after the marathon? Like, what was your next kind of steps, maybe towards the trail running?
1: Well, I think it's just. More and more distance. I think once you realise that you can, you. I mean, like this is the funny thing. I remember in university talking to my friends, watching the London Marathon on TV, saying one day I'm going to do a marathon. and They must be laughing at me. And here I was doing a marathon. I was thinking, well, yeah, that I feel great, I've achieved it, but I wanted something more. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted to take on what. What am I capable of doing? So the natural progression from a marathon, which is just over forty-two kilometres, is to do a fifty-k trail run. That was one of the next steps I took.
0: Okay, um, and then what was the kind of experience, like how did you notice the difference between a, a road a road run like a marathon and, and that trail run experience? What was the big difference you noticed?
1: Well, it was huge. Uh, the first uh, 50 trail, 50 kilometer trail run I did was the Lantau 50 back in um, 2014. And that was a big shot in the system because uh, in a marathon, it's more about keeping a, a consistent pace Whereas trail running is completely different. You have a lot of ups and downs um, uh, and different terrain. And what I did in that 50k is I went out at a very fast pace. And I just, I completely lost all my energy around halfway. And the last 25k was a real struggle. I didn't think I was going to finish. But I managed to hike it out. Because uh, I'm, I'm not a sort of person to, to throw in the towel. So I finished it, but it was painful. Mm. So I learned that trail running is... It, is is definitely a different, um, completely different experience to road running, but I was hooked from that moment onwards.
0: I love that that you felt like it was a, such a big challenge, and you were obviously clearly in some discomfort, but that was enough to encourage you to come back for some more.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's all you kind of learn from your experience. So obviously, I learned not to go out too quickly next time, but I also learned that um, I really, really enjoyed the experience. I love running. I love being out in nature. I also love the excitement, the atmosphere of the race. So you combine all those, all those things together and I've got the perfect event for me, which was a trail run. So yeah, I, didn't look, I haven't looked back since that
0: moment. Uh, so how of the list of the races you've done so far? What would you kind of put at the top of the chart as the toughest race that you've done?
1: Uh, well, there's been many different events. They've all been tough in their own. Way, but I think for me the Trans Lanto, when, I, when it was my first hundred k race, that was in 2016. I mean, wanted to do a hundred k race for a long, long time. They're they quite difficult to get into in Hong Kong. They're mm-hmm. oversubscribed, so um, you have to get a lottery, which means you, you you enter a lottery and you might you might get an opportunity to join the race. Trans Lanto at that time was one of the last races where you could just it was first come first served. Okay. So if you were quick, you could get into the race, and I was, and I got in. And I was really looking forward to it. I've been training for it for months. However, a month or two before the race, I suffered from runner's knee. Runner's knee is when you do too much running, you get tend- tendinitis, I think it's what it's Tendonese, called. yeah. yeah and um, that means that your knee hurts. If you run, you can hike, but it's just like an ache, mm-hmm. and you can't run. Anyway, so I did the Trans Lancer, and I was in 5K into the race, and I could feel my knee going, and... I knew that was kind of expected, because my training a couple of weeks before, it was was flaring up, and I I was resting. hopefully it would go away, but it came at 5k into the race, but I wanted to do it, so all I did was I I targeted the next checkpoint, because checkpoints are around 10k, every 10k, and I just thought, well, let's get to the next checkpoint, and I can make a decision. Um, So I kept going, I had lots of painkillers with me, neurofans, and I managed to get through quite a lot of them. Um, And... I got to halfway and it was really hurting. and I was way at the back of the pack. There is cutoff times so for 100k races, and I was near the cutoff time, but I kept going. And just through sheer determination, I finished. I mean, I remember around 70, 70k, I was next to some guy from Thailand. He must have been in his 70s. He was fit, but he was old. But, you know, I was really inspired by him. Mm. He lent me his, his spray which I could spray onto my knee to to, to to dull the pain. I was in so much pain that I couldn't... I had to keep my legs straight. Because if I bent my knee, it would be, I'd be it really sheer agony. agony. So going down steps was just horrendous. And obviously, it got people running past me. So mentally, it was tough. Anyway, I was one of the last people to finish that race. Uh, actually, it got cancelled after 80K because the weather. It was so foggy in Lantau. Well, the people couldn't see where they were going. But... I was the last person through the last checkpoint and I was one of the last people to finish the race. So I did it pure, it was silly because I injured myself. I was out for about two months after that. I had to get my knee looked at and I had to take some extensive time of rest. But I was just amazed that I, I, I basically battled from pain for 95K to finish the race just because I wanted to do the 100K. Mm-hmm. But uh, next time I have an, an aching knee, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> so, But I was, that for me was just an amazing experience of just sheer determination I, I was surprised what i was capable of um so it wasn't the most uh, enjoyable but in terms of achievement i feel it's the best okay um and i'm just
0: selfishly going to ask you about the, the nine dragons so i've done the nine dragons 50k but i can see here that you've done nine dragons 50 miles so they do a two-part race nine dragons they do the 50 miles on the saturday and a 50k in the sunday and there's some guys will do both i assume you did one did you or-
1: well, I ended to do both, but I okay. only, managed, only managed to do one. Okay. So 50 miles is about 80, 80 85 kilometers. And, um, yeah. and, and again, in that race, I, I was feeling my knee. So, um, but I finished it, and it was a tough course. And then it finishes in Tai Po. I live in Hong Kong Island. So by the time you get home, take a shower, have something to eat, and go to sleep, you know, the alarm goes off. The motivation to go back to Typo and to the to the fifty k was that not many people did the double. A lot of people signed up. They had a lot of DNS, which means okay. no DNS, which means did not start for that race. I remember them saying, but I no, I didn't do both. And I think people who do do both deserve a pat on the back because that's a big you know big accomplishment. Yeah,
0: there was some guys with me the year I did it that were. If one guy finished a couple of minutes in front of me, which was a real demoralizer because he had done. The, the 50 mile the day before and looked better than I did at the finish line, um, <laughs> and I remember thinking that's different level. Um, I kind of want to zoom into the the Patagonia race in Argentina, just because it sounds very different uh, as a kind of stage race. So can you just share what, like when it was and like, what the kind of breakdown of that race was?
1: Yeah, so um, it's organised by Four Deserts. They they are a they were a Hong Kong based company. I'm not sure if they are anymore. And they used to have a shop in Shenzhen. Um, where they used to sell products, but that 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 went recently. I'm not sure why. Anyway, they they organise races around the world called the Four Deserts. There's one in the Gobi Desert in China. There's one in um, the Sahara Desert in Africa. There's one in um, in South America in oh, I can't remember where it is. Chile, I think, is the Atacama Desert, um, and there's one in Antarctica. But every, every two years, they have a Roman race, and these races take place. in different, They had one in Iceland, they had one in Madagascar, and they had one in Patagonia. And I wanted to do that one because I was drawn to Patagonia, and that was their biggest event, their, Roman, their, their Ro- roving race. That was the most popular event they ever had. They had something like about 300, 400 participants in that. So yeah, how it works is 250 kilometers and it's broken up over six days. You have one day of rest after the long march. The long march is usually the fourth day and it's usually around 100 kilometers. So approximately it's like 20, 30K most days plus 100K and the last day is 10K because they want everyone to finish together. Okay. But the thing is with these foot races that you carry all your equipment. Okay. So you, I, I was carrying around 12 kilograms of kits Obviously, it's Patagonia, so Patagonia is quite cold and wet. So um, we had to—we had—it was mandatory equipment. So you take a sleeping bag, you've got to take all your food with you. You've got to take two thousand calories a day minimum. It's all checked. You—they won't let you start unless you have all this equipment. So the first couple of days, you're you're, you're, you're running around with a big, heavy backpack, and then over the couple, the days of the race, it gets lighter and lighter, and gets easier and easier. Yeah, it was a fa- fantastic experience. I think. In terms of trail running, I've done better events, but what I really enjoyed about the foot race was just the camaraderie and all gathering around the campfire, sharing stories after the race, sleeping in a tent with people around the world. That, it, that was the best thing about that race. Um, and uh, yeah, again, it was another achievement. Um, so the foot races are fun, um, but I still believe that the non-stop races have an them. Just okay. because they're, they're more, like you said, you introduced me as a hardcore endurance athlete. I do prefer the more like painful, hardcore, you really got to dig down and, and finish those types of races. Yeah.
0: So Patagonia comes to my mind because I was watching, I've watched the last couple of nights, the world's toughest race with Bear Grylls, which is the uh, like an adventure race which was hosted uh, this year in Fiji or last year, sorry, before obviously COVID, but they're moving it to Patagonia hopefully this year, but it's adventure race. I think that would be up your street. So that's on Amazon Prime, guys, if you've got that. I'd recommend watching that one. Um, okay, so I also noticed from your, your notes that you gave me at the start that you've managed to summit the highest mountain in Africa, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, which uh, episode eight, guys, that was me and Mr. Scrivener talking about that mountain in particular because we've both been up there as well. So what was your kind of motivation to get involved in that and... And have you got any future plans for high-altitude mountains?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, um, again, most of uh, my, a lot of my inspiration comes from people in my network. So um, I, I cycled all around Taiwan. That came from overhearing someone talk about it in Dragon Boating. And I thought, wow, you can cycle around Taiwan. Tell me more. And I did it. Uh, a friend of mine, an old trail running friend, um, talked about Kilimanjaro. I saw his pictures on social media. I asked a few questions. And the next thing I knew, I was buying a, t- a, a package to go there. Um, and I went to Kilimanjaro in 2016. And, um, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. And, uh, and, and very soon after that, I did the one in uh, Borneo, Mount Kinabalu as well. I did them back-to-back. Yeah, but Kilimanjaro was fantastic. However, what I realized with that was it was just too easy for me. I mean, it was, it was, it was just a hard hike which I'm more than used to in Hong Kong. Uh, in fact, I was running at the top of Kilimanjaro. So when I was at the k- top of Kilimanjaro, I said, I said okay, I'm glad I did this experience, but I need more of a challenge. So the plan is now to do higher altitudes. There is a mountain in Argentina called Arcongagula, which is difficult to pronounce, which is just short of 7,000 meters. And, you, and if you want to do anything greater than 7,000 meters, the, the expeditions ask you to do Arcongagula. Because they want you to see that you've handled the altitude. Not, it doesn't necessarily look at like the most difficult climb. It's more like a hike. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but they want to see if you can handle the altitude. And then the plan is is over the next say ten years or so is to is to get the training for alt, for high altitude alpine climbing. You can do that in New Zealand, and then there's Mount Lenin in a, some part of the old Soviet Union, and then take the steps towards the ultimate goal, which is to one day to do Everest. But I want to earn my right on that mountain. So I need to build myself up to it. I don't want to just be a, a corporate climber, as they say. Mm-hmm. I want to earn my right.
0: Okay, and so did you, on Kilimanjaro, did you feel any ailments towards the altitude, or was that, did it not have much of an impact on you?
1: Oh yeah, I did. I mean, I took, I took the, the medication they, they advised. I think it was kind of necessary you had the tablets anyway, they wouldn't let you up there. Whether you took them or not was up to you. So yeah, around two and a half thousand meters, I was feeling the effects, but it was only for about half a day. I just felt dizzy and um, a little bit nauseous, but then you just follow the instructions. You eat some food, you drink some water, and then I was fine. And after that, I didn't feel anything. Um, but but altitude sickness, as if you if you if you read books, you watch videos, you listen to people who've done um, high altitude activities they say it's random it can just hit it can affect anyone mm-hmm. at any time so um yeah just be prepared but yeah I think I am a pretty fit person the, the, the people I was doing the height that the expedition were with they don't run marathons they don't do trail running they're just average folks so I don't want to say that I'm better than these people but I was in a better shape but um, I was affected by the answer yes okay. but it wasn't that, that much
0: okay no it's just I, I just recall it being torturous for me and I And I was on heavy bouts of the medication and it didn't seem to work. And I did base camp as well and it was the same outcome. I was really struggled with it. So yeah, altitude and me maybe don't mix very well. Um, So kind of bringing it back towards like the current situation that we find ourselves in. So obviously you are an active person. You like to get out and do things. Uh, COVID-19 has unfortunately caused a lot of events to be postponed, cancelled. So, uh, you know, now things are hopefully moving towards being, uh, I say, normal again. And we're bringing pupils back to school how have you noticed your kind of return to juggling teacher teaching and and maintaining your activity
1: levels well um i think to like like students and other teachers i think the the first term is long and i was very tired kind of november december which is unfortunate because that's when the weather cools down and that's when it's perfect for running um so often on the weekends i'll just be so tired in the morning when, when i would get up on a saturday or a sunday i couldn't uh, take myself out for a long run which i would love to do I would maybe just do a shorter run mm-hmm. later in the day um, but yeah you know like now i'm working full-time again uh, in back at school which i i love um, i have to sort of work my activities into my schedule so i do running on tuesdays down happy valley that's that's always there track training I do Thursday runs with my with my social group, so I fit it all in. But it, it it means that I'm very busy. Either I'm working or I'm working out. So there's not much else time for anything else. But um, yeah, I mean, thankfully in Hong Kong it's all on your doorstep. So you're just five minutes out my my door, I'm on a trail. So mm-hmm. I can do it pretty much whenever I want.
0: And have you got any? Then I know obviously you've mentioned some longer term targets, but have you got any? short-term targets in terms of getting involved in events or are you just kind of biding your time and waiting for things to improve
1: well i think next on the bucket list is a sub free marathon and that would require a lot of training i'm not there yet however people i go running with i can keep up with them it's just for a sub free marathon can i keep that pace for 42k so i can keep up with them maybe for 21k but 42k i don't i don't think i've got the the base fitness for that yet so I, I know the race I'm gonna do is gonna be the um, the Gold Coast Australia marathon, which happens at the end of school term, which is perfect. It's in normally at the start of July. Okay. So I originally wanted to do it in 21, you know, this year, but that's looking very unlikely, and I don't think I've got enough time to train for it anyway. Mm-hmm. So more medium term, I'm looking to do that in twenty-two and start training for that maybe six months prior. So that's my next target, a sub-free marathon.
0: Okay, good. Excellent. Um, Okay, so for our listeners who are regular, uh, you'll notice this is a slightly new edition. Mr Trithewy has kindly volunteered to be our first one into this, what we call our quick-ish fire round. So we've got some standard questions we're going to finish all our guests off with. Um, The answers can be relatively short or they can be expanded on, which is why it's called quick-ish. And then we finish with a more prominent question at the end. So, are you ready? Right. Favourite food post-longest run? Which for you? Uh,
1: A big bowl of hot soup noodles. Oh, interesting choice. Okay. Uh,
0: Interesting fact or darkest secret?
1: Uh, I read a lot, Um, especially the last few years. I've read probably about 100 books now and I reread them as well. So, yeah, I love reading.
0: Well, I'll skip then to my next couple of questions. What is your favourite book?
1: Uh, I've got lots of favorite books I wouldn't say one in particular but um, I do Sir Richard Branson is an inspiration for me um, because he's an adventurist he did hot 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 air balloon adventures when I was growing up um, he's an entrepreneur he also suffered from dyslexia which I read a lot in his book and I, I think I've got mild symptoms of that as well so um, I think dyslexia is more common than people realise, um, but it, I, I found that really interesting when I read this book, so I think that's a great book, I love that book.
0: So that's Losing My Virginity by Sir yes. Richard Branson, I've actually read that one as well, it's a very good book. Uh, Favourite holiday destination? Uh,
1: again, I think I love France because I love mountains, I love skiing, I love, but I've been there in the summer as well and the Alps are absolutely stunning. France has beaches, it's close to the UK, amazing food, nice language, great country.
0: Okay. Um,
1: favorite gadget? Uh, my Garmin devices, mainly because, either for my bike or for running, just because I can download maps and I can go running or cycling anywhere in the world and know where I'm going.
0: That's a good advice to have, by the way, guys, if you're <laughs> getting interested in trail runs.
1: Uh, most famous person met. So I grew up in Wales, um, where, where I grew up it was a real hotbed for rugby players, um, a couple of British and Lions players who were in my school, Gethin Jenkins, Michael Owen, who was the captain of the Wales rugby team, I grew up with him, we used to play cricket together, I mean obviously I'm not the tallest, but Michael Owen was huge, I think he's around 6'6", but a, a re- he's a gentle, giant, nice guy, um, yeah, I, I used to... Play cricket with him and he went on to be the Wales captain and play for the British Lions. I've also met Mark Hughes when I went to watch Wales football, got his autograph. So yeah. Those people.
0: Okay. Um, and if you were an animal, what would you be?
1: Uh, mountain goats. It is, you know, there's a joke among trail runners, especially in Hong Kong, because there's lots so many climbs The people who are fast at climbs they call them mountain goats. So uh, I like to be a mountain okay. goat. Okay.
0: Yeah. Good. Uh, if you could get yourself anything at all in the world. What would it be?
1: Well, if, if someone can invent, like, how to download a language, you'd have to spend hours and hours learning it, that would be fantastic. So, yeah, French or Chinese would be... If you could just insert that into my mind and i will be fluent in it, that would be great. That would
0: be very handy, So I'm sure. This is an additional question just for you because of your position at school. Biggest economical tip of 2021?
1: Uh, be a mi- minimalist. So that means have less to have more. So, I've been a lot more resourceful recently. Um, I, I, I like, For example, my garment watch, I've had it for five years and it's still working fine. I had to replace the, 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 the strap. And I, if it lasts another five years, great. I don't need to buy a new one. Just keep using the things you've got. And if it doesn't have a use, sell it or get rid of it.
0: Okay, I like that. Uh, and then last question of the day. Biggest life lesson you can share in under 60 seconds to our listeners
1: so you know i'm 41 now i'm, I'm very active I, I intend to be active for the rest of my life i, I love working i don't intend to retire early or anything like that but i think life is short i think it's really important to find what you do for a living to be something you enjoy um, and I, you know i love teaching i love being in a learning environment even learning or delivering uh, standing on a stage, speaking, training, all that kind of stuff. So I feel at home being a teacher. Also, it's allowed me to travel, you know, working in Hong Kong. And, you know, I could really, I could move anywhere if I wanted to, but I'm very settled here. Um, but yeah, if you can find out what you enjoy doing, what you're good at, if you can find out ways you can make a man- make a living out of that, I think that would be a great tip to consider.
0: Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Mr. With You. Um, that was a very insightful podcast And uh, guys, we look forward to uh, seeing you again next week. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nattering with the Knights. If you want to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes, then please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please reach out to your PE teacher if you have any feedback or ideas about topics you would like to see and hear about in the future. In the meantime, have a great week and we will see you next time.